Yo, what's happening, everybody? My name is Anthony Correnti, and thank you, as always, for checking out another episode of the Dynasty Drive. Appreciate everybody taking the time to listen to the show, as always. Going to get right into it. Have about a, I think it was a half hour, 40 minute so conversation with a new friend of the podcast, Luke Sawhook. He does a ton of work online, but uh, does some rankings and social media over for the Dynasty Nerds. So really good conversation with Luke regarding some players that we think are kind of poised to take that next step in 2021, whether it's rookie players from this year uh, stepping into a bigger role next year. We're just guys that we think might find themselves in better situations. So we're going to get right into that conversation. Uh, Stick around. Enjoy all of that. On the far side of that, we'll have Pete Traina on, as always, to give some picks for week 15. And uh, we'll see you guys on the other side. Thanks. All right. So joining me on the show today for the first time, Luke Sawhook. He does social media and some rankings over at Dynasty Nerds and like a million other things on the Internet. Luke, I'm pretty sure you're the busiest guy on Twitter. You do social media for Dynasty Nerds, Prediction Strike. I know you do some writing as well. So I appreciate you taking the time to hop on with me and uh, talk a little Dynasty. Well, yeah, I appreciate you having me on, and I really have so much free time still. So I'm still a full-time college student, so I'm on winter break right now. So I'm literally just sitting around all day long, so all the social media and fantasy stuff is just filling in the gaps, really. It's been nice. Awesome. Living your best life. I I dig it, man. I'm trying, dude. (laughs) Well, uh, what I wanted to have you on and talk about today was kind of a few players that I had identified as I'm kind of taking a a look at that – could potentially take that next step next year in 2021, whether they were you know rookie players this year or whatever the case might be. So I think um, it's vital in pretty much any fantasy league, but magnified obviously exponentially when you're talking dynasty to be ahead of the curve on players when the rest of your league might not be as high of, uh, high on them as you are currently. Um, so what I'll kind of do is run through the guys I was thinking of chip in whatever thoughts you might have. If you have any guys you want to, you know, chip in on your end, please feel free as well. Sure. Um, so the first guy I wanted to bring up was, uh, and I'll run through, you know, one quarterback, one tight end, a running back, a wide receiver, uh, at quarterback is Tua Tungvaluwa. And I don't mean it in the sense of Tua being some great unknown that nobody's heard of. Um, <laughs> um. I know that there are, a lot of people. I don't know where you have him ranked, but I know there's a lot of people out there who already have him ranked as a top five dynasty quarterback. Oh God, um, no! I do not have him ri- top five. I think he's like yeah ten. Okay, I was gonna say I have him quarterback ten currently in my rankings. So. I think we're tied then. Perfect. Okay, cool. So I believe you know should he stay healthy, I think he'll be in store for a big bump next year. Um, I think early on when he got the got the call to come in he's been tasked with playing a bit more of a game manager type role in the Dolphins offense Um, I think it's a good thing though he's building confidence and in the games where he has been given the opportunity to throw the ball I think he's flashed the talent everybody knew he had coming into the NFL Um, I remember mentioning back back in the summertime pre-draft and even during 2020 rookie draft season that I thought Tua had the upside to be QB1 uh, if not for Burrow's historic season, if not for the health concerns that Tua had. I totally agree with you. I, I was about to say, I I feel like Tua would have been in the conversation for the number one overall pick if he never hurt his hip. Yeah, I, I agree. I think without without that hip injury, uh, I think there would have been some real you know, cause for pause or at least consideration of, okay, is it a lock that Burrow should go over him? Um, so it sounds like it sounds like we see kind of eye to eye on where he's ranked currently. Um, I guess first, what are your thoughts on how Tua projects next year? And second, is there anybody else at quarterback that you have in mind that kind of could take that step from where they're at this year into next year's you know playing field? 
Yeah, for sure, man. I was going to say, I feel like it might be fun if we just go back and forth a little bit, you know? I don't have anything written in the show doc like you do, but uh, I can freestyle a little bit, you know what I'm saying? But So, <laughs> uh, I, I totally agree. I think Tua has come out in a bit of a game manager uh, stance. He's been a little, uh, almost nervous at times to, like, I think, force it in. Uh, I think if they, like, let him let him loose a little bit this offseason, give him some more confidence, uh, give him a full time to get healthy all the way, recover and have a full off season to develop because you know all these rookie quarterbacks they didn't have training camp they didn't have preseason you know so i feel like a full off season of health and recovery will be very beneficial for him so i think yeah i think Tua is poised to have a fantastic year and as a steelers fan i could easily see them assigning a guy like juju smith schuster if he leaves you know like a wide receiver who could be a true one alongside Devonte parker in that offense for many years and i think Tua could use a guy like that Okay, I got to go off the rails now, even though we're talking quarterback, because I feel like this is something that I've mentioned on every show for like the last three or four weeks. And it's perfect since you're a Pittsburgh guy, Steelers guy. Do you think they re-sign Juju or does he leave? You know, it's going to be a really interesting offseason. Um, we're looking at Bud Dupree leaving, Juju leaving, James Conner leaving, uh, Cameron Sutton leaving, who's a sneaky good corner, and Mike Hilton as well, who had a really good game the other day. Um, so it's going to be a really interesting free agency for the Steelers. I- it's so tough because their wide receiver core already has two very solid young receivers in Deontay and Claypool. So with mm-hmm. their fantastic track record of drafting wide receivers, in hindsight, it's like, why pay this guy if we can just go spend another second-round draft pick on another stud to fill the void? But Juju's only 24 years old. He just turned 24. This Pittsburgh organization loves the guy. I think he's a fantastic kid, always so happy, fantastic leader for the locker room. Ben loves him. So it'll really just depend on how much money he's asking for, I think, and how much the Steelers are willing to pay him. It really is. I don't know. I think it's truly 50, 50. I, if they, to, if you told me right now that you're from the future and that Juju left, I wouldn't be surprised. If you told me that he was staying, I wouldn't be surprised either way. Um, if he does leave though, the fantasy applications are huge. So it's definitely a good topic to discuss. Yeah. It's interesting with him because I kind of, like you just said, I've maintained for a while that I think unless he gives them a discount or, you know, it's a reasonable deal for both sides, um, with, with their, it's a, honestly, it's a crazy track record of drafting and developing wide receiver talent. It's something that as a depressed Jets fan, I've grown very, you know, envious of over the years but uh, yeah Deontay's a stud Claypool I think will be a stud so I've kind of looked at it on my end of oh it kind of seems logical that you know he'll probably get more on the open market but it'll be interesting to see what happens there because I agree I think fantasy implications are huge um, if he's not there and you know where he ends up is kind of the biggest question mark and how I, how I value him currently in Dynasty for sure. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I just think that it's so massive. I mean, the thing that's so interesting is that Juju said before, like openly, that like, he wants to be a Steeler for life. But, I mean, obviously guys have said that so many times on so many other teams and left. So, you know, it is what it is. We'll find out. But the same way as you yeah. being a depressed Jets fan, I did not know that about you, but you'll love my quarterback pick. Bit of a risky one, but next year I think Sam Darnold will be somewhere else, and I think he will take the second, the next step. I love that pick. I think he'll not be surrounded by Adam Gase and incompetent uh, New York Jets front office members, and I think they'll actually have some targets wherever he lands up, and I think he'll have a good year. I mean, I think that Sam Darnold is still a very talented quarterback, and if he lands in the right place, a place like Indy, maybe Pittsburgh, you know, other places. I mean, he might sit for a year like Jameis Winston, but I feel like if he does become an instant starter. He's in for a good year. I think that Sam Darnold has a lot of potential left, and I think a lot of people don't really pay attention to that. Yeah, I agree. The Jets have failed him in every way imaginable. Um, it's 
honestly terrible, but uh, it's definitely in their best interest as an organization and his best interest as a quarterback to get someplace that can hopefully, you know, save his value, save him as a player and rebuild his value. I totally agree. He's still, you know, he'll be 24 next year. He's so young. Um, I think honestly, the best thing for him, I have said a lot in like the past it's it's strange the turn it's taken because I think nobody as a Jets fan or nobody watching the Jets closely was expecting this year to be great, um, but nobody was expecting it to be like, oh, okay, Darnold's not the guy. Like That was not how anybody felt going into the season. I don't even think that it's Darnold's not the guy. I just think that it's Herbert oh, is, you know? Like, I feel like, it's, I feel like yeah. it, it's similar to the Josh Rosen, Kyler Murray situation, but it's not because Josh Rosen had a full season. He looked awful. Uh, and then the, I mean, are obviously the Cardinals going out and got Kyler Murray, but I feel like it's different with Sam Darnold. I feel like Jets fans coming into the season are like, okay, it might be a bit of a down year, but at least we have Darnold. He has a bright future. We need to build around him, fire Adam Gase, et cetera, et cetera. But it's just really, the wheels have fallen off. I mean, Le'Veon Bell yeah, it's- kind of just like left a stain on the Jets, I think for their offense. And then. The whole contract with C.J. Mosley hasn't really worked out very well at all, and it's just like those big free agent signings that they had. And Jamal Adams left. Don't forget about that. Um, just everyone's yeah. just gone. Like coming into the season, I think the Jets were even viewed as somewhat of a dark horse by some people. Not me, but some people. <laughs> <laughs> to like make a wild card spot at like you know like seven and nine, eight or eight or something. But I mean, it's obviously the wheels have completely fallen off. I mean, I think there's a decent chance to go in sixteen, but. Not going to lie, they had me scared last week that they were going to win. I was petrified, and it's the first time I think in my entire life that I have like openly cheered as the opposing team scored a touchdown at the last second like rugs caught that bomb and i literally like jumped up and down in my living room uh which it feels up it's 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 sad i, I mean i got a sam darnold jersey upstairs in the closet but uh, <laughs> we've come too far to to risk trevor lawrence now <laughs> about to change to a trevor lawrence jersey pretty quickly so. yeah yeah exactly i just think they really need to get rid of freaking adam gaze man that guy's the worst oh he's he's so clueless so in over his head and one head and last off track question then we can move on but how do you feel yeah. about Lamichael, Lamichael P. Ryan so I am he's somebody that I'm really interested in and I tried to acquire as many shares of as I could in dynasty leagues this year because at worst I think he gets a big shot to be a major part of a committee there next year um, and I think in the opportunities that he had like he wasn't great when he got opportunity this year but he also didn't get enough opportunity like they were so insistent on running Frank Gore on a team that's not going to win a game which you know doesn't make any sense but um, I think that it's interesting because last week in the Raiders game you know you have Josh Adams and Ty Johnson finally go off in the running game Um, but Pirine has kind of that skill set that I think reminds a lot of people Kind of of like what Bilal Powell did for the Jets for a lot of years where, you know, he could do a little bit of everything but was never going to be that superstar. But just based on the fact that there's there's literally like no other mentionable or worthwhile running back on the roster under contract next year. So they do have a pretty decent surplus of picks and they'll have a ton of cap space if they want to either, you know, add a veteran in free agency or if they do decide to, I don't think that they will spend an early enough draft pick to, you know, walk away with Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, anything like that. Um, If they draft a rookie, I think it'll be more in that, 
with one of the third rounders and it's somebody like Kenny Gainwell or Kylan Hill, something like that. Another mid round guy like they did with P Ryan this past year, but I'm still interested. I'm holding him in a lot of dynasty leagues. Honestly, I, I would have to look at how many I have him on my roster, but I was actively trying to acquire him and telling people to acquire him uh, just like probably three to four weeks ago. I agree with that assessment. I was just curious as to what you perceived his talent as more. So I think I got an answer there. Anyway, you want to move on to tight end? Uh, yeah, tight end. The guy I wanted to talk about uh, was Herb Smith Jr. Tight end for the Minnesota Vikings. It's kind of a weird situation, I think, there because Kyle Rudolph is still involved with the Vikings, but he'll be 31 next season. And if they do opt to move on from him, uh, can save approximately $5 million on the cap if he's released pre-June 1st and approximately $8 million if he's designated a post-June 1st release uh, per over the cap. The Vikings are projected to be just, just about $7 million over what next year's anticipated cap will be. Clearly some maneuvering to be done. Um, the Vikings still lean... A lean might be an understatement on Dalvin Cook. Uh, and the passing work is ultimately going to be funneled through Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, who has been great this year. He has got double-digit touchdowns and is pacing for right around 1,000 yards, but will also be 31, and the contract does get easier to move on from beginning next year as well. Uh, I think Irv Smith has flashed a handful of times this year. He'll still only be 23 going into next season and plays a position that, frankly, is a barren wasteland outside of the top guys that everybody knows as an elite option. One thing I have to say about Irv Smith is I actually was targeting him a little bit this year, thinking that it was the year, and I was <laughs> I was a bit disappointed, obviously. Um, yeah, I like the pick. I like the pick. I think Kyle Rudolph's stays in Minnesota are numbered. So, I mean, obviously, when he's gone, Irv Smith's days are bright. Um, you have anything else you want to add? You want me to go to my guy? You could go to your guy. I think that it's it's weird because I tight end is so tricky, and I agree. I thought this would be the 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 year for Irv as well, so I was mildly disappointed there. But sometimes it's like I don't know. Tight ends take you know three four years sometimes. But outside of Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, Darren Waller, T.J. Hawkinson, it's a mess. No fan, but it's it's a mess of a position. So you could feel free with uh, with whoever you got on your end. I think this guy. Who he's on people's radars for sure. I just um, I just think that the ceiling is so high, and it is Dallas Goddard. I think the Eagles move on from Zach Ertz this offseason for sure. Uh, there's a lot of contract issues there. I'm pretty sure he's a bit disgruntled, and he's been injury riddled this season. Dallas Goddard is a stud. If he becomes a solid tight end one in the Eagles offense, I think that his future is extremely bright. Yeah, I I agree wholeheartedly. I think that Ertz's days are numbered in Philadelphia. He's been banged up and doesn't really quite look the same as what he was a few years back. And it feels like we've been saying this for a couple of years, like, oh man, if Goddard can get all the work. Uh, and I do think that that's coming sooner than later, and that'll be a big boon because he's he's getting up there for me in terms of how I have him valued compared to some of the other tight ends. So if he can be you know the guy and not have to worry about Ertz eating into the work at all, that's something to I think really be potentially excited about. I don't have my rankings pulled up in front of me, but I think he's a he's a tight end one for me in Dynasty. I think he's like tight end ten. He's up there for sure. But I think if he I think if he moves I, into the Eagles number one position like firmly, if Zach Ertz is gone, excuse me, exactly if Zach Ertz is gone. I think he's like easily top six at least. Yeah, I don't think that's crazy at all. I just pulled mine up real quick, and I have him right now at tight end eight, and that's with Ertz being there. I've got him three spots ahead of Ertz. So. The whole Eagles offensive situation in general is really interesting. I think they need more wide receiver help. Um, I honestly think that they're going to stick with Carson Wentz long term. I think he's still very good. I just think that, I don't know what is wrong with him right now. 
But I, I have faith that he'll pull it out. I do. It does feel a little too soon to just be like, wow, Carson Wentz is bad now. Like, you know what I mean? I feel like we've seen like two or three yeah. years of very good quarterback play from Carson Wentz. So I don't understand what's wrong with him unless it really hurt his confidence to have Hurts bring in. I mean, being brought in. But I just don't think that's the case. Yeah, I don't know. It would be strange if it was just all of a sudden, you know, done for him. Um, also, that contract is like, it's a mess. If, they, if they <laughs> I have my rankings now, so we can finally talk about those. Where do I have got her? I've got her as my tight end seven. Okay, yeah, so we're pretty much eye to eye on that one. You got, so, so for anyone who's curious, or okay. if you're curious at all, my top ten tight ends, I have Kittle, one, Kelsey, two, Hawkinson, three, Andrews four, Waller five, Fant six, Goddard seven, Janu eight, Ingram nine, Henry ten. So I think we have the same ten players, just with a few like minor differences. Mine go Kittle, Kelsey, Mark Andrews, TJ Hawkinson, which honestly that probably flips the next time I revise it. Um, Darren Waller five, Noah Fant six, Hunter Henry seven, Goddard eight, Ingram nine, and Janu Smith ten. And I. I just have to let it be known that like I have Evan Ingram nine. I feel I I hate it though. Like I have him as tight end nine and I hate everything about it. <laughs> like I feel like some weeks he's fantastic and some weeks there's like a trend where you're like, I hate Evan Ingram, like trade him. It's the Evan Ingram roller coaster. I traded my last share of him in Dynasty earlier this year because I was like, I can't do this to myself anymore. I'm curious, do where do you myself. where do you have Austin Hooper? And I have him at fifteen. Austin Hooper I have him at sixteen. Yeah, so pretty much right in he's the a weird so pretty much. He is. He is. That's. I'm. I'm curious. Who are like the two to three guys that you have ahead of him? Um, fourteen. I yeah. have Tanyan. Thirteen. I have Hurst. And twelve. I have Ertz. Okay. All right. So similar. I have. I have Tanyan at fourteen. Um, Hurst at fifteen. Um, Zach Ertz is at eleven. I have the guy we were just talking about, Irv Smith Jr. at thirteen. All right. Let's get back on track. <laughs> <laughs> but actually it kind of works perfect we we're talking about dallas goddard the guy at receiver that i wanted to bring up is jalen rager and where we were just talking about carson wentz obviously and we're recording this about you know two days or so after we heard that jalen uh, jalen hurts is being named the starter for week 14 against the saints uh, but i think we could be inching towards the end of the like quote unquote buy low window on rager um I'm still a big time believer in him as a player. Uh, his rookie season has not been stellar, but like we were kind of just talking about with Wentz, the whole Eagles offense has looked out of sync pretty much the entire year. Um, I think as players of fantasy football, we've all gotten a little spoiled as well with wide receivers coming in and being, you know, game changing dominant forces like right away. Um, sometimes these guys take a little more time to grow into their rules. And the Eagles right now are still insistent on, keeping Alshon Jeffrey involved for whatever reason. Well, for I whatever think the contract. Um, yeah, that's another gross contract. <laughs> um, but Travis Fulgham cooled off after that hot stretch a little bit. Rager is still the guy I believe in most to emerge as a long-term viable fantasy play in their wide receiver core. I do think it's likely impossible that they still look to add more players there in the future. Um, but what are your thoughts on Rager and who's your guy at wide receiver? Well, I really like Rager. The only problem I have with Rager so far is I feel like I just haven't seen enough. I mean, he's been banged up. There's been a lot of weird inconsistencies with the quarterback play. I just think for Rager to pop, we need another good receiver opposite of him. You know what I'm saying? I just need some more to open up. for. Yeah. Him. If you have another guy down low that can take off the top for Rager, 
I think that the ceiling is extremely high. I think he has great potential. I love his explosiveness and aggressiveness at the point of catch. He has a little bit of a dog in him, which is super, super good for wide receivers, especially smaller ones like him. I think he's a really talented guy. I just think he needs a better supporting cast. You know, it should have already happened because I've since abandoned ship, but I was like the sole last remaining person standing on the J.J. Ortega Whiteside bandwagon this year. Dude, I was trying bandwagon this year. And I threw it in the garbage immediately. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not going to happen, and it bums me out forever. Um, but if he if he was what I hoped he was going to be, that would have been a nice little duo between him and Rager, I think. But yeah, it looks like as bad as I wanted it, J.J. is not going to ever be a thing there. Uh, yeah, I think they would really benefit <laughs> off having another good wide receiver like a Juju. Yeah, yeah, that would be an interesting fit, actually. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. So my guy for wide receiver, I think it's Denzel Mims. Um, he's flashed a little bit, as you know, as a Jets fan. He's looked pretty good recently. But dude, mm-hmm. enter Trevor Lawrence. And this guy's wide receiver one. Oh, baby. Woo-hoo-hoo. Yeah, oh, that's going to be nice. Goodness that's going to be really, really gracious. fun. I mean, I don't even think I need to say that, that that much more about that. I mean, I think that that is just a beautiful fit. I'll take Trevor Lawrence's wide receiver one all day long on my fantasy teams. I don't know how many times I have, you know, texted friends of mine or something like this after, you know, Mims makes a catch where I'm like, oh man, when this guy gets Trevor Lawrence as his quarterback, it's going to be so fun. Um, Yeah, he was, and especially earlier this year uh, while he was banged up or not really getting involved, um, he was like a prime, like go target this guy. There was just was nobody ahead of him anyway. So you knew that eventually he was going to get opportunity and um, not that the bar is really high, but he is a player that the jets have not had at wide receiver in a long time. Uh, Somebody that has size, speed, catch radius can run after the catch. Um, It'll be really interesting. And if he does end up, you know, fingers crossed with Trevor Lawrence as his quarterback, uh, he will absolutely see a big big time jump in his value for sure so i love that pick and there's so many there's so many wide receivers like denzel mims and jalen rager and those guys that we think can take the next step every year i think it's one of the best parts oh, yeah. like for example two years i mean last year you had chris godwin this season you had calvin ridley you had deontay johnson and then there's just so many every year. It's just, that's one of the best parts of fantasy is predicting these wide receivers that'll break out. It's crazy too, because I was just mentioning to somebody like two weeks ago that uh, like when you look down your rankings or anybody's rankings, it's like you can look down at like wide receiver 30 and it's like, man, that's still a really good player. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's such a deep group where I have Mims at wide receiver right now. Yeah, it's like, like it might be around 30. I have a 41. I'm actually going to bump him right now. Live rankings, Justin, everybody. Uh, let's see. I'm going to put him at 39, exactly, actually. Yeah, it's it's one of those weird ones where it's like, I really like him more than that. But it's just a, a product of how many other really good wide receivers there are. It's, it's Cam really Akers still looks fantastic right now, by the it's, way. So I'm also going to live rankings adjust Cam Akers. Yeah, where, where, where are you putting Cam? I think I'm going to put him at 18. Okay. You split the difference with me. I have him RB19 right now. I'm getting Twitter notifications <laughs> from you while I'm on the call with you. This is I'm trying not to miss a step, yeah. man. <laughs> it's been fun. <laughs> no, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I know you're a busy dude. So uh, I'll, I'll move on to my picket running back so that we could get you to, to run in your 
a million social media accounts out there. But the guy I wanted to talk about at running back is Buffalo Bills running back Zach Moss. Um, he's another guy. I, he's a guy that I think the stat line for this season is less than exciting. Um, but I think he's a prime candidate to expand on his role and his totals next year. Um, he's averaging a still respectable, just over 4.1 yards per carry as of when we're recording this. Um, but the opportunity hasn't been super plentiful. The concern I had coming into this year was always that Moss and Singletary would cannibalize each other's value a little bit. Uh, Combine that with Josh Allen's rushing ability and rushing touchdown prowess as well, and that's kind of been exactly the case. Um, But I could see Moss taking over more of the workload next year and even more down the stretch this year as they push towards the playoffs, weather changes up in Buffalo, lean on the run a little bit more. I know there's some managers out there who spent a rookie pick on Moss, whether it was, you know, an early two or whatever, and they could be losing patience. Uh, And this is the exact kind of player I am interested in trying to acquire at a discount. If I can get the jump on somebody who's like, oh, this guy isn't doing, you know, what I wanted him to do or thought he was going to do this year, please, because I think he is going to have a a big time jump. Uh, Honestly, it could be as soon as down the stretch this year. I really think that eventually, um, probably even sooner than later, and not, I don't think Singletary is a bad player in any respect, but I think Moss is going to be the guy there for sure. Uh, for sure. I think Zach Moss could be what we, we all wanted Jordan Howard to be long-term. Um, he has a nice little bruising back. He can mm-hmm. run between the the tackles well, gets high volume of carries, doesn't get a lot of receptions, but gets the job done for fantasy nicely. Uh, I don't think his ceiling is extremely high, but I feel like there's an RB1 potential there down the road, you know? I think it's nice. Um yeah, I think Buffalo is bound to have a fantasy stud at running back eventually, if, especially if Singletary gets less touches or Moss gets less touches and it comes Singletary. But I just think that some somebody's going to emerge. Somebody's going to emerge, and I, w- I would bet on Moss. So I like that a lot. I agree, and I think, too, like – just that offense as a whole, like Josh Allen is such a threat with running the ball, but he's taken such a big jump as a passer this year that – eventually the rushing attempts and for him are, are going to regress a little bit just because that's, it's just going to be what happens. Like he's still going to run the ball, but he's probably not going to do it with such regularity, you know, two years down the road, a year down the road uh, as he continues. Honestly, he's already developed so much more as a passer than I ever expected. Uh, I loved Josh Allen from like a strictly fantasy quarterback perspective because of the rushing floor. Um, but as, you know, a real-life quarterback, I was always on the side of like, oh, this guy, I don't think he can get it done. The question's about accuracy. But he looks like a totally reinvented player this year, I think. Let's have a little bit of a quarterback uh, confession. Uh, coming out, I thought Justin Herbert and Josh Allen were both going to be busts. Um, I thought Justin Herbert was going to be a bit same, of Mitch Trubisky 2.0. <laughs> like, not that he was – well, it's kind of the opposite, honestly, of their college careers because Herbert was there for so long and Trubisky was there for one year. Um, I just feel like I didn't see a lot from Herbert in college and there was a lot coming out about him being more of a, like a type B personality, really introverted in locker rooms and stuff like that. And I just didn't think that, I mean, he flashed at Oregon. Don't get me wrong. I mean, everyone knows that, but I just didn't think he did it at an elite level for a consistent basis. And I feel like taking him at six was a bit of a reach, but boy, was I wrong. Uh, same with Josh Allen. I just thought that with Josh Allen, I thought he was gonna be like, Ooh, big boy can throw ball far. Uh, great pick, but I mean, he's really developed from a raw or thrower to a guy who has some serious pocket accuracy and extreme arm talent and along with the running capability, as you said. So yeah, I mean, I love both those guys, but back to uh, running backs. 
Uh, yeah. My running back pick, I actually have a few, so let's have some fun here. So my first pick is Miles Gaskin. Yeah. It's a bit more risky because um, he has barely any draft capital invested in him. I just think that the Miami Dolphins have so many more. Well, they don't have a ton of holes to fill. They filled a lot in last year's draft and offseason. But I feel like if they want to be a better team, they're going to need to need to draft some more O-line, draft another receiver, draft some more defense maybe. But like, I feel like they've seen enough out of Gaskin to know that he's capable of being their guy. I don't know if it'll be long, long term, but I think it'll be at least another year where Miles Gaskin will be the lead back in that offense. And I think that Miles Gaskin has a pretty high ceiling uh, with a pretty manageable floor as well. I mean, the floor isn't that safe, but I feel like the, the ceiling really compensates for that. What do you think? about that? The craziest, the craziest thing to me about Gaskin. And I agree because I think that he has done so much more than anybody expected this year. Um, that kind of, like you said, it's not that I agree that Miami, um, filled a lot of holes in this past off season, but it just feels like even though they have kind of, a, you know, a surplus of early capital similar to the jets, I could just see that team and Brian Flores and just wanting to, okay, well, let's add more edge pass rush and let's add, you know, more pieces where it's not like Gaskins producing on limited opportunities. I was actually just talking with him, uh, talking about him with somebody else earlier. You were talking with Miles Gaskins. Yeah, I wish, man. Yeah, he's a big time, uh, big time fan of the show. Uh, <laughs> but. Good friend of the show, Miles Gaskin. I am friend of Miles Gaskin's carry totals, though, um, because in weeks one and two, he had nine carries and seven carries. And then in every week following that he's been healthy or played in, 22, 10, 16, 18, 18, and 21 in week 13. Like they are treating him like a workhorse back. I don't think there's any reason that they should move off from him because he's been productive as well. So I'm a bit of a hypocrite at this point because I feel the opposite way about James Robinson. I think James Robinson. Oh, you're out on James Robinson. I'm not out. I think he's a good running back, but in dynasty leagues, I am not buying him. I think, I think just because his draft capital is so, so cheap and the team is completely rebuilding that they'll bring in another guy. I don't know if it'll be third round I don't know if it'll be first round. I don't think it will be. I think it'll be like another like fourth or fifth rounder, and I think they'll compete. It's interesting. I mean, it really it could happen. It's tough to kind of step back and look at it sometimes because Robinson's been so good for everybody this year. He's been, been so, so good. good. I have my RB20 in Dynasty, by the way, so I'm definitely not off him at all. Okay. All right, so we're close. I have him at 18. I just don't feel comfortable long-term investing. He has a similar feeling to James Conner to me. Yeah, I would agree with that. I I guess where I'm at with Robinson is he's probably not a player like I don't even want to say probably he's not a player I'm looking to go acquire right now because the cost is going to be way too high. Um, if I, you know, scored him off waivers for nothing like in the off season last year, or I traded pennies for him earlier this year, I, I'm probably just happy and holding him. Um, but he's definitely somebody that, you know, could be worth floating out there to see what you could sell him for. But I agree. I probably wouldn't go out and trade for him right now because it would just be not very uh, cost-effective in what I'm looking to do. Very, so let me uh, throw a few more guys that I think are going to have a bit of a breakout year next year. These Some of these are a bit obvious, but let's throw some out here. Let's have some fun. I think, obviously, DeAndre Swift is bound uh, to explode next season. 
uh, explode. Uh, I think since Matt oh, Patricia's yeah. gone now officially as well, I think they're going to give him the keys, and I think he's going to be a stud next year. I have him as my RB8 in Dynasty. I also think Clyde Edwards-Alaire is due for another good year when Le'Veon Bell hits the door this offseason, most likely. Uh, another offseason for him to develop. I mean, it's Patrick Mahomes' offense. I mean, he's going to score some touchdowns. You know what I'm saying? Uh, J.K. Dobbins has looked very, very good the last couple weeks. And Mark Ingram has done nothing. So if Mark Ingram's gone, and the Ravens offense gets it together a little bit more, I think Dobbins is going to blow the door off next season. Um, Where's a couple others here? Let's see. Some other guys I think has potential to break out, but are deeper. Uh, I think I look for Joshua Kelly to get more carries. I think LA could transition a bit more of a committee back feel. I think Eckler's still the guy there for sure, but I think Joshua Kelly's definitely slept on still. And I think also same thing with Philip Lindsay. Uh, I mean, Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon have been a really interesting fantasy backfield this year. And they already paid Melvin Gordon. But I just feel like he hasn't done that much. And I feel like Lindsay still is a fantastic pure runner. Yeah. So we'll see what happens there as well. I think there's a lot of interesting points in what you just said. So I love all three of the rookie running backs that you mentioned, the rookies this year, to break out in a bigger way next year. Um, I have... Swift even a little bit higher than you do. I have him RB6 right now. I love DeAndre Swift. Um, Swift and Clyde, I have back-to-back in my rankings. Um, I have DeAndre Swift, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, um, Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Dobbins, Antonio Gibson, all in my top 11 uh, running backs for Dynasty. So I agree. I think J.K. Explodes in a huge way when Mark Ingram's not there. Um, he has looked so so good. He's been so efficient. The Ravens just insist on using four running backs and their running quarterback, which is frustrating sometimes. But that's uh, that's the offense Greg Roman is running. Oh, you said uh, mentioned Philip Lindsay. He, I agree. Melvin Gordon. I don't know. Even it just doesn't feel like that's going to be a a real long term thing there. Um, one of the guys deeper that I've been a little more bullish, I think, on than some others out there is DJ Dallas in Seattle. Um, it's just I oh I have this feeling that it's like every year I feel like the Seahawks are just like one like reason or instance away from like finding a reason to try and move on from Chris Carson. It's like oh he's banged up. Oh he's got fumble issues. Oh it's like oh uh, and then we draft this guy who kind of profiles pretty comparatively to Chris Carson. Like that doesn't feel super coincidental. Like it feels like he's probably just waiting his turn. Uh, so DJ Dallas is somebody a little bit deeper than I'm excited about. You know what? I'll I'll wrap it up on running backs with this because I forgot you mentioned this guy when you were talking Joshua Kelly. And this is what I'm curious to see where you have him. Where do you have Austin Eckler ranked? RB seventeen. Okay. Because I feel like people think I hate Austin Eckler. Cause, and I'm definitely lower on him than a lot of people. I have him RB22, but we're not that far a apart. Lot of Interesting. People. Where do you have James Conner, by the way? I have him at 22. We're not that far apart. I have James Conner at 20. 20. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm interested to see. Conner's a free agent next year, right? Yeah, yeah he's going to be interested gone. To see it. Conner's a free agent I don't see year, a situ- right? I don't see a scenario where he's coming back. Yeah. Unless he signs, unless he signs for super Yeah, it'll be interesting like, to see where really he... Cheap. I think they're going to draft the guy. Boy, Najee Harris screams Pittsburgh Steelers. I feel, Boy, like, I feel like all Harris of them do. Pittsburgh <laughs> you know, I just feel like there's so many. I, they got to get one. I actually, um, another confession. I love Chase Claypool yeah. with all my heart and soul. 
but I was rolling around on the ground crying in pain that we did not draft J.K. Dobbins when he was on the board. Ah, yeah, that would have been a fit, man. I Uh, would have been so bad. Well, at least the plus side is Claypool has looked very good. I appreciate you hopping on with me, Luke. I know that you got a bunch of stuff going on and you're trying to catch up on the game too, so I won't keep you all night, but make sure uh, where can... Where can anybody who's listening to the show find all of the good work that you do out there in the internet? Uh, most of my stuff is all throughout my Twitter for my sports stuff. It's at Luke Sawhook, all lowercase. It's just my name, first and last. You'll see it. I have like a little Dynasty Nerds profile picture there. You'll find me. Uh, I'm doing a bunch of stuff with sports trading cards right now. I just did another box break tonight, which was super, super fun. Uh, writing articles for Three Coast Sports Weekly, writing articles for Renegade Blitz, which is a Steelers fan page weekly. If you're any Steelers fans out there and yeah, I'm doing a bunch of stuff, man. Make sure you check out Prediction Strike, which is a super cool website where it's like the stock market meets fantasy sports. I love that website. So, yeah, go check all that stuff out, man. I appreciate the the plug. Yeah, man, absolutely. And I'm sure we'll catch up again some point, too. You do great work, and I appreciate you taking the time to, to hop on with me. So I would love to come work. on again. This is really fun. The time awesome, to, man. To hop well, enjoy on. the rest of your night, Luke. Thank you. You too. I'll see you. Yep, later, buddy. All right, back again is Peter Trena. And, Pete, you went 2-1 and one last week, so... 4-0 this week, otherwise you're fired. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but I know we talked about four games that you've got picks for, so we'll get right into it. Uh, first one that we were talking about was Seattle Seahawks and the Washington football team. It looks like Seattle is currently favored by 5.5, and, and the point total is at 44.5. What are your thoughts about that game? I score this game 28-21 Seahawks. I could easily see the Seahawks putting up 30 as long as, and I say... In quotes, the Seahawks let Russ cook. <laughs> they oh, yeah, cannot, baby. You know, they can't force the ball into the you know, basically force the, you know rushing the ball into the teeth of the football team's defense, which is the defensive line. Let Russ get out in the pocket. Let him do his thing. Let his work his magic. Uh, if Alex Smith, I think he's going to be out for this game. Besides that one game against the Steelers, this defense has given up thirty plus to the good teams in this league. With Haskins in, I can lean heavy on the Seahawks. Um, I actually like the. I was. Why didn't I put this down? Oh, I like the uh, the team total over too. The Seahawks twenty four and a half. I'm not betting that, but I I can't see them scoring way more than twenty four and a half. I think this game should be closer to minus seven. So the five and a half is like a steal for me. What do you think? I agree. I, it doesn't seem like it should be that close. Honestly, I could see the Seahawks blowing them out. Um, so I'm surprised it's only five and a half because I think the Seahawks, I know they're, you know, the defense hasn't been great at times when they've played anybody besides the Jets, but, um, I just don't think there's any way that it's within a touchdown. I really don't. I think the Seahawks are so much better than Washington that I could easily see them winning by double digits. Um, so I'd agree. I would, I would like the Seahawks to cover the five and a half as well. Any other thoughts about that game before we move on? Yeah, like you were saying about the Seattle's defense, they're actually they've been better the last like three or four games. So I mean they're they were historically bad, like on pace, so they're still bad, but they're getting a lot better when it counts. So All right. Well the next one that we were gonna talk about was San Francisco 49ers and the Dallas Cowboys. San Francisco uh, is minus three, the over under is forty five. What do you got for that one? I score this one twenty nine twenty one Niners. This game, to me, is all about one thing, and it's just coaching. And there's just a very distinct coaching mismatch in this game on both sides of the ball. I don't care if I was the quarterback for the Niners. I could probably still cover this three. Um, 
I just think Shanahan and Salah will um they're gonna out scheme and they're gonna keep Dalton in check and they're gonna score points on this lousy defense. What do you think? Yeah, the Cowboys defense stinks. Um, it, it, that, there's really no other way to put it. The 49ers, I agree. It's it's not even that. Like I, I would love to see the 49ers with a quarterback that they like really felt good about because I don't even think Jimmy G is the guy that they really feel good about. And Nick Mullins is just as good as Jimmy G in that system. So imagine seeing them with the quarterback that they really like handpicked to you know be the next guy uh, or somebody with higher upside. Um, I like San Francisco, like you said, for the reasons um, that you already mentioned. The Cowboys are a mess. The defense is bad. Mike McCarthy is still not a good coach. Um, I just think that Kyle Shanahan, the Cowboys defense is so bad that uh, Jeff Wilson is probably going to put up a huge day against them. And, you know, the Seahawks, it'll be their, sorry, not the Seahawks, the 49ers, it'll be their whatever, third, fourth, fifth running back. But somehow he'll run for, you know, 120 and two scores, and that'll be that. So, uh, yeah, even with all the injuries and players that are out, and this is a, kind of a weird game on both sides, I think San Francisco covers. Uh, the next one was Cardinals Eagles. So it's Cardinals are favored by six. The over under is 49. What are your thoughts about that one? I score this 27 24 Arizona. Um, I guess technically I would lean Philly with the points as well, but I'm going to take the over 49. The Eagles have some injuries on defense, and I don't think there's anyone in Philly that can cover um, Hopkins or anybody really on that Cardinals passing offense. The Cardinals, they've underwhelmed lately, if we're being honest, and I think now that Kyler's finally getting healthy, they, he started to run a little bit last week. They should be able to put up some points. Both teams are on the bubble, the playoff bubble, that is, and they're going to be playing hard. Uh, with Hurts in and not Wentz, I could see less red zone turnovers and more, you know, cheap points. Maybe he'll get some, you know, stuff going on the ground. I could see it being a shootout. What do you think? I agree with all that. And I also, like you touched on, I like the Eagles plus six. I think that, um, Jalen Hurts, what he did against New Orleans, which is a better defense than Arizona, was interesting, and I'll be interested to see if they let him carry it another 18 times or whatever it was in that game. Um, I'm pretty sure in New Orleans, I think it was like 18 for 106 he had on the ground. But more than even just him running the ball, um, which is obviously an element that everybody is seemingly looking for, the Philly offense just looked more functional than it has at any point with Wentz this year. Um, so I think that I could see it turning into a shootout. Uh, and I agree, the Cardinals have the Cardinals have kind of been sneaky, been getting by the last handful of weeks. Like they're getting a little more credit than they deserve uh, because things have been a little broken there. I think. Um, and I could definitely see the Eagles keeping it close enough that, you know, I could see them losing by a field goal or something. So I like them getting, I like them getting six. I would, I would bet the Eagles plus six. And then the last one that we had was, uh, Cleveland Browns, New York giants, the New York football giants, Browns minus six and the over under is 44 and a half. What do you like there? <sighs> I like the over under 44 and a half. I like the over, uh, score this 28, 23 Cleveland. I cannot believe I'm going to bet a New York Giants over in 2020, but, you know, here I am. <laughs> uh, here I am. I mean, why not? No, <laughs> this is a must win for both teams. So I think that offensively, they're going to throw everything out there that they can. I mean, if the Giants have any chance of winning, they must successfully pass the ball and they'll need to keep Cleveland, keep up with Cleveland putting up points. Um, Cleveland's been hot lately. 
But with Cleveland's secondary issues, they have a lot of injuries. And now with James Bar- James Bradbury of the Giants going on the COVID list, I-, I could just see more passing lanes opening up for both teams, especially Baker. Um, and obviously with the Browns, they have that rushing attack that's just insane that they can control the clock. But the rushing game is the Giants' defense, one of their weakness, uh, one of their strengths. So I would, tr- I, if I'm the Browns, if I'm their coach, you know, I'm going to try to scheme some passing plays because I think that's where we have more advantages. Um, and also, Jason Garrett, he's on the COVID list. He, I guess he has COVID. He's not going to be calling the plays. Uh, so that might be a sneaky good thing for the Giants, depending on what your opinion <laughs> of his uh, play calling is. And so it's going to be Kitchens who's going to be calling the plays. And, I mean, just from what you saw last year, he's going to be more aggressive than Garrett. I mean, literally anybody would be, but why not? You know. So I, I think this is going to be an over game. I could see turnovers. I could see... I'm just seeing points. What do you say? Yeah, losing Bradbury is big for the Giants. Um, like you said, uh, the Giants are – the defense is kind of underrated, honestly, uh, and they can stop the run, and we know that Cleveland wants to run the ball as much as possible with Nick Chubb and uh, Kareem Hunt. But I think that'll be interesting because I don't think they will abandon the run, but I don't think it'll be you know super fruitful for them against the Giants. Uh, I think both teams will end up taking to the air. And Baker has been pretty good lately. Um, We've been getting good Baker Mayfield again. So uh, it is a big loss for the Giants to lose Bradbury. Um, We'll see, you know, Baker's been spreading around all over the place. We'll see if that kind of keeps happening or if we get a, you know, a clunker from him. Um, The point total, I think I would lean with you. I would say the over is right. Um, I don't know. Brown's minus six. I don't know. Like, I can see. I think I would bet the Giants. I think I would bet the Giants plus six if I was going to bet the game. Um, I think it'll be close. I really do. I think that they kind of match up pretty decently with one another. Um, yeah, I don't know. You have any other thoughts about it? Yeah, I mean, the, I had no interest in betting the total. I mean, the point spread, but I, I'm with you on that. Like, it, it's it could be a flip flop game. Like, I could see the Browns winning by you know. 13 but the Giants play a lot of close games but I'm not gonna you know I wouldn't bet that but it really all depends on what Daniel Jones you get you know if he could run the ball and be the Daniel Jones that you know the best Daniel Jones the Giants have a chance to be in this game and that's why I like the over yeah the Giants have been competitive for pretty much the whole season besides you know a game or two Um, so I do think that regardless it's going to be close but it'll be interesting uh, because I Cleveland's not going to be quick to abandon the run uh, but it'll be interesting to see at what point they start trying to exploit, you know, New York missing Bradbury because that that, uh, that is a big loss. He's been playing great football, and it's a a big loss for them for sure. All right, so we'll re- run through it real quick again. Your picks where you took the Seahawks, uh, the Seahawks to cover minus five and a half, the Niners to cover minus three against the Cowboys, over forty nine in Cardinals Eagles. And over forty four and a half in Browns Giants, correct? That smells like four winners to me. I think so. And, <laughs> and I like the Eagles plus six. I'm not going on the record or anything, but <laughs> that's I do like the Eagles plus six, and I do also like the Seahawks team total over twenty four and a half. I might put a little, a little bit on that. And we'll see how I feel. Um, but that's not an official play. But yeah, those two, I, I'm with you on that with the Eagles, too, for sure. All right. You're going to go 4-0 this week. I can feel it. I think it's four winners as well. 
Love it. I thank you, Pete, as always, for joining the show. Uh, if anybody hasn't already, and if you made it this far, please rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. Uh, we'll keep putting out new content, and uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Pete, thank you, sir. Thank you. Take care. Take care.